I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. The 11 to 1 show. The wooden spoon, a simple household item made a weapon of mad destruction. How things have changed when it comes to parenting these days, but are Irish parents a bit too lenient? We're going to discuss this and more very shortly. First, here's John Waite. Did you just answer me back? Wait till I get the wooden spoon. Oh, you're in for it now. Oh yeah, Irish parenting, we've come a long way since the 80s. It was always the wooden spoon, wasn't it? It's always the threat when I was growing up. Uh, But definitely parenting has thankfully changed. Uh, But according to new research, Irish parents are now the most lenient in Europe. This is according to my name tags. We're going to be chatting to them later on in the show. But... It did get me kind of thinking about aspects of my own childhood. You know, you get the threat with the wooden spoon, a slap if you did something bold. That was kind of the go-to punishment in the Irish household. But I'm wondering today, what did you do that would make your parents threaten you with the wooden spoon? Now, you could have a threat with the wooden spoon or, you know, was there just sort of like ridiculous rules in your house that you're kind of like, this is just... What is this rule? You know, we were thinking about this. I was chatting to my younger brother about this. I was like, do you remember mom and dad had sort of kind of ridiculous rules for us when we were growing up? Things, you know, strange things. And he came up with great ones. He says, yeah, do you remember we weren't allowed to watch Friends, the TV show? And I says, yeah, I do remember that. Everyone else watching Friends, we weren't allowed to watch it. Mind baffles. I don't know. They must have thought we would pick up suggestive adult things from friends. Weren't allowed to watch friends. That was a bit of a ridiculous thing. This is another one in my house. Another crazy rule in my house. In summertime, my mum would say that nobody was allowed out on the street making noise till after 11 o'clock. Yeah. So I'd be looking out the window longingly at all of my friends, by the way, out on their bikes, having the crack, roaring and shouting in the street since 9.30. But no, the Brazil children were not allowed out until 11 because we'd only be waking up the neighbours. <laughs> this is one of the ridiculous rules in our house. So what did your parents never let you get away with? Was there ridiculous rules in your house that you kind of look at now and you kind of go... That's a bit unfair, a bit crazy. What were they thinking? 
I want to know today, 086-1800-658. Chris on the breakfast show told me uh, he was not allowed to leave the table until the dinner was eaten. That was a sort of a go-to one as well, wasn't it? Why? Why? Like, it's just, I'm full. You know what I mean? And I'm cramming peas or whatever down my throat now and I'm just full. Uh, Also, another sort of really ridiculous rule for Chris was he wasn't allowed, get this now, he wasn't allowed play with his older toys on Christmas Day. He could only play with the toys that he'd just received from Santa. <laughs> like, what? Ridiculous rules your parents had back in the day. I want to know them. Let's get all nostalgic today. 86 658 Also, if you remember the wooden spoon, let me know as well on 86 658 there's Yola, goodbye, Yellow Brick Road on LMFM's 11 to 1. Want to wish a very happy 54th birthday today to Pat Reynolds. He is in Baconstown, Enfield County Meath. Uh, will you wish my uncle very happy 54th birthday? Uh, that's coming in from your nephew, Christopher, thinking of you today. Hope you are having a fantastic birthday. Now, just want to let people know that tomorrow, 23rd of March, there is a drink tea for MND Day. It's happening in the Valley in from 9am until 12 noon and it's uh, inviting everybody to join them for a cup of tea and help people out with motor neuron disease and you can find out more about the Irish Motor Neuron Disease Association what they're doing on imnda.ie so that is happening tomorrow in the Valley Inn from 9am till 12. Wow is all I can say. In terms of the messages that's coming in on Facebook, as well as 0861800658 about unfair things, unfair rules that your parents had when you were younger. I'm going to get to some of your messages just after these. The 11 to 1 show. Here is a sound that will strike fear into the hearts of people that grew up sort of before the noughties, I'm definitely going to say. Listen to this. You know what that is, don't you? Oh, yeah. That is the sound of the drawer opening. Here's a message. 086-1800-658. Yep, I remember the sound of the kitchen drawer sliding open. That meant that the wooden spoon was coming, says Jen. Uh, yeah. The beauty of the wooden spoon in my house anyway was that you had a good 30 seconds alert head start. When mum jerked open that drawer We scrambled uh, to scramble for the spoon, we all scattered and the slow kid would lose out. Yes, the noise of the drawer opening alone. You're bringing back, you know, memories. You really are. The deadliest weapon known to my mother, says Declan on Facebook. My mum used to threaten myself, sisters and brothers, with the wooden spoon when we were kids and playing up. We had the spoon and the worst was, wait till your father gets home. That would put the fear of God in you. Oh, yeah, that really, I know that one. That was nearly worse than the wooden spoon. The wait till your father gets home bit. We are talking about punishments that you received from your parents as a kid on 86 658 The wooden spoon definitely was a big one. But we're also asking you, was there anything that you did or that any sort of rules that they had that were a just kind of a bit daft and unfair. Here's a here's a rule for you. My house, there was no TV Sundays, so we couldn't watch anything between the hours of 6am and 6pm. This rule was usually kind of relaxed in the winter when you couldn't go outside. But even then, you usually had to find something to do till it got dark outside. So no TV 
on the Sunday, just not allowed at all. That was a rule in somebody's house here on 086-1800-658. Another one, if we wanted a friend to stay for dinner or for a friend to have a sleepover, we were not, I repeat, not allowed to ask in front of that friend or it was going to be an automatic no. My mother hated being put on the spot. So that was her solution and it worked. Yeah, well, you see, sometimes you'd, you'd ask in front of the friends so she couldn't say no. But this mother had the right idea. It was going to be an automatic no if you asked in front of the friend. Love it. What unfair rules did your parents have when you were a kid that you kind of go, God, that was a bit daft. 86 658 Mr. McKennedy, something to someone. Your parents were not unfair keeping you indoors until after 11, says this message. Wise people, I'm nearly 70, have high blood pressure and there's a wee lad who's always hopping a ball off the side of our house. Drives me to distraction. My head is bursting off me, says Louise and Drada. Louise, it's only one thing for that. You know, you know what you got to do there. Mother was a crack shot with the wet dishcloth on the ear every time. So sore. <laughs> I can see her ricocheting cloth off your head. Oh, that was a wet one as well. Very sore. Yeah, absolutely. Relieving the trauma here on 86 658 uh, Also another one coming in. Uh, this is on Facebook. Ah, the old wooden spoon. I remember it breaking in two off the side of our metal bunk beds and bursting out laughing because mum was doing the nut over something I definitely didn't do. Oh, I don't know, Tommy. I don't know. If she has the wooden spoon out, you have definitely done something wrong. This is not unwarranted. Absolutely not. Oh, the wooden spoon, Sinead. I was well acquainted with the wooden spoon, says Carl in Mornington. When I got too big for the wooden spoon, I vivid memories of mum chasing me round the rosebush in the garden with a sweeping brush. Any weapon that would just come to hand, they would just, you know, I mean, parenting has come on (laughs) leaps and bounds, thankfully. But, you know, we got to relive the trauma today. Uh, Also, this is another one of this sort of ridiculous, strange. This is a strange rule that uh, this this person has on 086-1800-658. We weren't allowed lick the spoon when we were baking with mam. Sorry, what? Like, that's part of the fantastic ritual of, you know, helping bake with your mother. Not allowed to lick the spoon. She thought it was so unhygienic, which, yeah, it is, yeah. But then imagine my disgust when I saw so many other people doing it in other houses. Yeah, well, you see, she could have got you another spoon to lick. No, I don't know. That's a really weird, that's a really weird one. Somebody else saying, didn't do you a bit of harm. Oh, listen, is that my mother texting in? <laughs> Probably on 86 658 Keep those coming in. What was the unfair thing? You know, probably I'm going to say the wooden spoon wasn't maybe unfair because back in the day we probably definitely deserved an L clip with the wooden spoon. You know what I mean? Uh, but what was the unfair rules that your parents had? Like for me, I felt it was unfair not being allowed outside when everybody in the estate was allowed out before 11 in the summer holidays, the sun splitting stones, not allowed out till 11 o'clock in case we're disturbing the neighbours. 86 658 There's the script, Hall of Fame, another few messages coming in about sort of unfair rules that your parents had when you were younger. Tell Chris that we weren't allowed to open our presents on Christmas Day till after Mass. Oh God, that is really unfair. That is so unfair. How did you... So everybody else had opened all their Christmas from Santa and you weren't allowed to open them till after Mass. Oh, that is very harsh. Like, that's trauma trauma right there no shoes allowed on in the house says another I do know people who had to take their shoes off all right when they came in 
Um, but it was that for everybody. Like, so everybody or just the kids weren't allowed to have their, their shoes on. Look, at you know, your mother's been spending ages cleaning, you know. She doesn't want you trailing muck through. I can, I'm on board with a no shoes in the house scenario. Uh, but I'm wondering, did like your dad have to do this? Or visitors that came to the house, everybody, shoes off. Uh, do keep those coming in. We are going to be talking about this now in further detail because my name tags, they have conducted this research and apparently us Irish parents are way too lenient on their chil- our children now, um, way more so than our European counterparts. We're going to be chatting to, to Lars Anderson. He is the managing director of My Name Tags. We're going to chat to him next. The 11 to 1 show. We are chatting about this all morning, but it seems Irish people spend less time telling their children off than our European counterparts. This is according to new research conducted by MyNameTags.ie. So Irish parents, we are the most lenient in Europe. Surprising, given that many of us remember growing up with the threat of the wooden spoon. Joining me now to discuss the research is Lars Anderson. He's the managing director of MyNameTags.ie. Lars, you're very welcome to 11 to 1. How are you? Very good. Thanks for inviting me. Great to have you. Now, Lars, you're Norwegian, so you might not maybe know what we're referring to when we say, you know, that we were threatened with the wooden spoon when we were younger here in Ireland. But uh, what sort of punishments or what sort of discipline were were put in place with your parents when you were growing up? Yeah, in in Norway, I think was one of the first countries to sort of stop corporal punishment. So, so, so there were no wooden spoon or, or rulers uh, when I grew up at all. So, in that sense, Norway was quite a quite a uh, maybe quite a lenient country, at least when it came to 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 the punishment. So, no wooden spoons. But, but uh, I think. Christmas presents is probably one of the ones you know. I remember you know you're sitting around it, in Norway. Of, Christmas is, is 24th of December yes. in the evening and you're, you're not allowed to touch any of the presents, not do anything until until the evening and end of the meal and you, of course you can't eat anything. You're just staring at those presents. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, you know, a bit of a, a, bit of a torture there as, as a very young child. Uh, but fair enough, I suppose. I know, this was the thing, you couldn't touch the presents, absolutely. So this is one of the things that you remember. We're asking listeners as well to, to share some of the stuff here. We're getting all sorts. We're, we're reliving trauma here <laughs> on, the, on the show this morning. But, uh, you know, wh- wh- why, where did the idea to conduct this research come from? Because this is quite fascinating now, the, the findings of this. Yeah, so, so as, as you probably know, my name takes is, is, you know, is, is uh, working with with parents all the time, and so we we're really interested in in what is parenting. How can we help parents? What is what is inspiring parenting? And sometimes it's just interesting to to sort of look around and see. Okay, what are the other European countries doing? What am I doing? Is it is it kind of normal? Uh, and and we thought it was quite interesting to look at it, are Irish parents exactly the same as as all other European parents, or are they slightly different? And as you said earlier, the Irish parents are coming out as the most lenient in Europe, which, which I hadn't expected, I have to admit. Yeah, I'm really surprised by this. Really, really surprised. So talk me through some of the find- findings, because you have statistics and everything to back this up. Yeah, no, so, so essentially, yeah, most lenient in Europe, things like, you know, being not very strict about the rules about bedtimes the irish seems seems more relaxed but but quite interestingly when we ask parents 
what is the inspiration for your parenting? You know, the, the Irish parents didn't say social media, that was important in, in places like Belgium or, or even other parents. But the Irish parents were saying what kind of motivates us more than other places is to do parenting slightly different from our own parents, to avoid some of those, some of those unfair rules, some of those pain points where we're, we're trying to do it differently. And, and that is, I guess, the, the logical thing here, isn't it? That, that maybe traditionally Irish parenting was a bit more authoritarian. It was oh, a yeah. bit more rules-based. And, and the, 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 this generation is kind of looking at that and going, actually, maybe that wasn't necessary. Maybe, you know, having, having a Christmas present a little bit earlier, <laughs> being allowed those shoes actually might not be that important <laughs> in, the, in the grand scheme of things. Yeah, and like so, not resorting to essentially violence. Do you know what I mean? As the first thing to come. It's just like parents back in the day and I even remember, you know, the thread of the wooden spoon myself. You know, you get, it was the, the, the go-to thing, you know, because they were at the end of their tether and it was like the quickest, most, fastest solution solution to, to discipline their children. So I can understand. Uh, welcome move away from that one, Lars. Absolutely. Uh, but what did you find was the most surprising by the, by the research that you conducted? Well, uh, so, so uh, you know, the, the other thing that we, we saw here was the, uh, you know, so, so yes, the, the Irish parents, we talked about them being, being lenient and relaxed, but they are actually also spending a lot more time with the children than oh. other other nationalities. So, so for example, you know, seventy percent of of Irish parents saying they're teaching their children how to cook. Uh, uh, less than half of of Belgian parents are doing the same thing. Wow. So we are. So in some ways, we're sort of lenient and we're letting the children get on with it. But we also um, we're also spending time with them. So it's almost more of a of a partnership, of a sort of partnership of equals, uh, rather than a, a sort of top-down. Uh, a parent should be should makes all the rules, and the and the child should be uh, seen, not heard. Yeah, oh, that was one of the big things. Yeah, being seen and, and not heard, absolutely. I, and you know, in terms of the, I love that. I love that Irish people are more hands-on with their kids. Like, I definitely would say that I am more hands-on with my children than say my parents were, because I suppose as well things have changed um, a lot as well, Lars. You know, back in the day, definitely say uh, the the dads of the house would have been working long hours, uh, and the mothers maybe were only part time or were in the home. Whereas now you kind of have things a little bit. More more split parents are, are working longer hours so perhaps we don't want to be spending the little time we have with our children given out to them yes no, it's, a, it's a it's it's an interesting sort of changing in society but i think i think in general you know we're, we're, we're doing it right you know that's that's a good thing here where where there, there aren't any sort of there weren't any sort of findings where, where the Irish parents should should definitely do things in a completely different way. We're, mm. we're trying our best. Yes, and, that is it. And, uh, you yeah, know, so, so uh, well done. <laughs> I think it, uh, it, may, it may be the main message to, to Irish parents uh, out there. Well, that's so nice, Lars, because we don't often get a well done, so I'm loving that. Uh, do you think as well uh, that, you know, because, uh, you know, we, we sort of, as you mentioned there, this idea of the tougher upbringing, so we want to kind of be, be that little bit more lenient on, on the kids. But one 
one thing that you you did sort of say there about the rules, being a little bit hard and fast with the rules, you know, we're not so stringent with them. But when it comes to things like chores, what about with your, your own kids, Lars, uh, you know, or your own family situation? Do you think chores are important? Because I think in, in the research, they, a lot of Irish kids were, or Irish parents were not enforcing the chores aspect as much as maybe we could be doing. Yeah, that's... that's uh, Irish parents aren't, aren't kind of do, doing the chores. Maybe that's a problem of being being a friend to your child rather mm. than be the sort of authoritarian. Sometimes, you know, you want them to do to do stuff. So so less likely to, to ask children to help with household chores. I think, personally, I think if... I know it's hard. It, it's yeah. very hard to get them to, you know... Uh, do stuff, but it, it's a good it's a good thing to know that this is maybe this is your task. So every every week or or every third washing or dishwasher or, or anything, you know, it's your turn to 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 do a little bit of work or you you tidy your room uh, once in a while, etc. I think those are quite good to to kind of have that thing that you are responsible. You are you are sort of growing up, and yes, maybe. You know, in the in the first instance, it's kind of tidying up your your own toys, and then then you're sort of participating a little bit in 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 family life, and you're responsible. I think it's a good thing. Yeah. But uh, you know, it's it's very easy to say from a sort of uh, sitting here. It's a completely different thing to actually get your children <laughs> yeah. to do it. Of course. Oh, completely. It really is. And I should mention as well that my name tags have been just such a lifesaver for for parents. No more lost uniform jumpers in our house, Lars. Which is fantastic. The company's fifteen years on the go. Thank things you. things going really well for you guys. Yes, we're doing 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 really well. So uh, yes, uh, so so uh, still keeping uh, helping people uh, sort of label their their belongings or their children's belongings. And uh, yes, it's it's uh, we keep growing. Uh, it's, in Ireland and, and elsewhere and yeah doing doing well so uh, yeah and you can also read more about this study on the mynametext.ie website on our blog Fantastic well Lars the in, it's been such an interesting uh, body of research that you've conducted here really really uh, enjoyed chatting to you on the show today thank you so much for joining us Thank you very much. Thanks a million. My name tags.ie if you want to find out more information about uh, the research and also you can check out some of the products and what they have there on the website as well. The 11 to 1 show. We are going back in time now, back to this day in 1993 and this was on the radio. Yeah, snow informer on this day, 1993. LMFM Northeast Update with Senator Windows. Senator Windows products will help you create a secure, comfortable, energy efficient home you're proud of. Call 0818 Yes, the song went straight to number one on this day and it stayed there for seven weeks. Snow in former, also Teenage Mutant Hero Turtles, the third one, was playing in cinemas. And today is World Water Day. It's an annual event that looks at global issues surrounding access to clean, safe drinking water and sanitation. LMFM Northeast Update with Senator Windows. Creating the perfect home is a journey. Let us guide you. Visit our Drada, Dundalk and new Navin showrooms. Discover more at senatorwindows.ie. 
Today is Word Foolery Wednesday. Author Grace Tierney is going to be joining us in the second hour of the show. She does have a mystery word for you. I'll reveal all very, very shortly. First, back to the music. Natalie and Brulia with Torn on LMFM's 11 to 1. Little throwback for you there. Here's another throwback for you. Someone making a comeback. Nine-time Grammy-winning singer Nora Jones. Remember her? Come away with me. Brilliant. Has announced two Irish gigs as part of her upcoming tour. She's going to be playing in Belfast on November 13th and also in the Olympia on November 14th. There you go. Uh, They're going to be on sale this Friday, 10am from Ticketmaster. She actually, oh, it was 2002 she came uh, into our lives um, with Come Away With Me. But I, I actually thought it was like towards the end of the 90s. But there you go. Nora Jones making a comeback. I'll tell you who's making a comeback to 11 to 1. Author Grace Tierney. She's going to be joining us in the second half of the show for Word Foolery, where we explore the interesting origin stories behind words that we use every day and words that we don't. And every time Grace is on, she gives us a mystery word. So... I am asking you, I have a couple of books up for grabs. I know I have books upstairs, okay? So I have books up for grabs on this one, right? This is her mystery word for today. Parasology. Parasology. Okay, so Paris and then ology. Now, the only rule with this is you are not allowed Google the true meaning of the word. I want you to tell me what you think parasology means 086-1800-658 often the funniest nonsensical one will will get it I'm thinking it's someone who studies Parisian way of life parasology but I bet you I'm wrong with regards to that what do you think it is so parasology 086-1800-658 and we'll be joining Grace in the second half of the show the 11 to 1 show Author Grace Tierney is back for word foolery, but can you guess the meaning of her mystery word? And I've got a great prize up for grabs. All the details next. There's George Ezra, blame it on me. Just a couple of notices for people who might be driving in the Drogheda area. We are getting reports of flooding on Drogheda Keys coming in on 086-1800-658. As well as that oh, image here of the road. It's very impassable under the cable bridge on the way out to Oldbridge, I'd say is where that one is. Uh, they're talking about uh, people needing to block the roads there. Um, this driver says, I got through that one, but just in, about uh, the further one up the way is worse. So if you're driving on the way out to Oldbridge under the cable bridge just take care there's a lot of water from the looks of it there thank you so much for sending those in to us now it is competition time and I have to say thank you to Jerry Kelly to the rescue he has plunked two books on my desk here the number one book which I think everyone's going to want is by John Lowe the money doctor It says, Money Doctors 2023, a must read for all discerning people who want to better manage their money, especially teenagers. It simplifies, demystifies all aspects of finance written in plain English. It's Ireland's Financial Bible. That's what I have here. John Lowe's Money Doctors book. Also, I have Jen's Journey, How I Changed My Life Meal by Meal. You can too. This is by Jennifer Carroll. This is after years of emotional eating made worse by a bad relationship. She weighed almost 26 stone, but she made a decision uh, to completely overhaul her lifestyle, changing her eating habits. So she shares her story. It's an incredible story of how she overcame everything. And also the recipes look fantastic. So those two books are up for grabs. But we are asking you, can you guess the meaning of author Grace Tierney's mystery word for word foolery? So the word she's given us is parasology. 
parasology, okay? Do not Google it. We will know if you Google it. I don't really want the proper meaning. I want a fun meaning that you've just made up. 086-1800-658. Some of them coming in already are absolutely brilliant. I just thought parasology might be somebody who studies Parisian way of life. Would that be it? But something funny. Tell, like, I'm really bad at coming up with the funny ones. You guys are amazing at that. So, the funniest meaning, the, the better, please. 86 658 And those two books are up for grabs very, very shortly. Now it's time to see what's happening in the world of showbiz. The Buzz on LMFM. Keep up to date with all the latest news and gossip on the LMFM app. Hi, I'm Crossy. The promo video for Ed Sheeran's new Disney documentary has been released. It'll talk through Ed's rise to fame, then some moments in his life that he kept quiet for years. It's called Ed Sheeran, The Sum of It All, and it will be released on the 3rd of May. Every time something massive happens, I tend to write a song about it. Every song reminds me you're gone, and I feel the lump form in my throat, I'm here alone. I've never seen him cry on stage. Just dancing with my eyes closed. He hasn't had the time to process and be at peace with his thoughts. Time is moving so slow. I feel like every moment I'm learning. Still dancing with my eyes closed. The sequel to Ghostbusters Afterlife is officially underway. The film, which is working under the code name Firehouse, which is a reference to the Ghostbusters headquarters in the original films, has begun production in the UK. Now the first photo has been shared on social media. Sarah Snook, who plays Shiv in Succession, has been talking about Easter eggs in the final poster of the show. On the poster, Logan is in the middle of his family and Sarah fills us in on it. <laughs> I mean, a little. Yeah. There, yeah, there's like... <laughs> but I feel like you won't know until you know. This is like the Da Vinci Code. You're sort of like putting things together. But mm. like, there is, there, is a, there, is, there is a thing that once um, the season begins airing, it may get related back to this moment. That's The Buzz. I'm Crossy. The Buzz on LMFM. Keep up to date with all the latest news and gossip on the LMFM app. Would that be Paris Hilton psychologist, says Rosie and Navin. I love it, Rosie. Parisology. Could be. Could be. Keep them coming in. 86 Queen, it's a kind of magic on LMFM's 11 to 1. Oh, it's magic. Some of the ideas that you're sending in for what parasology could possibly mean on 086-1800-658. We're going to get to some of your messages and Grace Tierney is going to be joining us. That's on the way. It's time for Word Foolery Wednesday. Word Foolery Wednesday on LMFM with Grace Tierney. Oh, we love this time of the month. Author Grace Tierney brings us the fascinating and often hilarious origin stories behind words we use a lot and weird sounding words we should use more often, like parasology. You know what I mean? I'm going to need to put that in my vocabulary. Grace is on the line. How are you getting on, Grace? I'm very well. It's good to talk to you. Great to have you. Now, just before we, we will reveal our mystery word at the end, but we're asking people, as usual, to guess the meaning. So here's some for you on 86 658 So our word is parasology. And uh, this is coming in from, who's this coming from? Ashling. She says, parasology. When Karen, you know, in adverted commas, spent two days in France about six months ago and she mentions it in every conversation. But without the S. So, you know, when I was in Paris, Oh, this skirt. I got it in Paris. This wouldn't happen in Paris. 
Uh, John Vinani says is Parisology a break off group from the Scientology crowd oh I like that one John that's a great one Uh, also Paul Shields and Delique says Parisology is people who talk crap about their trip to Paris kind of on the same uh, vein as Ashling. Parisology the study of Paris Hilton's empire says David Toomey in Drogheda also Rose had is it you know Paris uh, Hilton's um, psychologist love that Uh, is it the study of parasites says another person uh, also someone who specialises in plaster Paris applications <laughs> oh, yeah. talk. I love that okay. uh, I love now this is great a person who has unnerving knowledge of parasols says Gronje oh I love that <laughs> unnerving Absolutely. as well yeah. I love the unnerving added in there brilliant uh, I think the word is something to do with the use of other words I'm not certain but I think that's what it is says Tina who's chopping in Navin uh, is it the obsession of can <laughs> is it an obsession with can can girls says Ned <laughs> oh I love that parasology uh, absolutely brilliant love that uh, Anne in that boy says is it a French apology oh interesting a parasology <laughs> very good yeah, did, do the French ever apologise I no, don't think don't. they did that no they don't <laughs> well we're going to go back to that one but uh, loving your suggestions do keep those coming in on 086 658 now I think the word gargantuan is brilliant but you got to say it with a bit of feeling you know it was gargantuan in size I think you need to you can't just say gargantuan normally so if you write it down it has to be in kind of font size oh, yeah. 20 yeah. yeah okay yeah well that sort of makes sense actually uh, you're, you're going to realise you're totally on the nose with that um, so obviously gargantuan means large as in a gargantuan task which is used almost to cliche point but it's actually thanks to a giant and an anti-clerical giant at mm. that which I will explain as I get into it so gargantuan is the adjective form of a giant character called gargantua so it was it's actually an eponym it's it's a person albeit a fictional one well we hope he's fictional um, and it's drawn from a Spanish or Portuguese word for the throat garganta So it's all to do with throat and swallowing, which Mm. does make sense when we get into it. So Gargantua was created in 1534. So it's been around for a while by the French author, physician and priest, Francois Rebelius. I I think that's how you say his surname. Um, So his books were written for an educated court audience and they were satires, which drew on legends from all around the world, including some Celtic myths, which may be part of the source. Romances, classical works, he basically took them and turned them into a satire. Um, Wasn't always popular in court, ended up accused of heresy and obscenity for some of his writings. So although he was a priest, he was a bit of a radical Um, And his Gargantua was a giant, but he's best known as being a voraciously hungry giant. So perhaps Gargantuan should actually refer to a giant appetite rather than a large or difficult task. Either way, the use of Gargantuan as a word for enormous dates back to the late 1500s in English. And it was even used by Shakespeare in As You Like It in 1598. So it's been with us for quite some time. Um, In the original story, Gargantua swallows five Christian pilgrims oh. and their wooden walking sticks wow. in a salad. I don't know why, but I just really like the idea of giants eating salad. I, just, <laughs> I can really see it, you know what I mean? Yeah. But, you know, presumably uh, the author was a priest, so he would have known if giants liked to eat pilgrims. But, yeah, that's what giants eat. Apparently. Wow.
Okay, I'm loving that. I'm loving the word gargantuan now even more. Now, this is a great one, your next one. And I, w- I saw the brilliant Fred Cook, the comedian Fred Cook, handle this particular person in the most excellent way. So, heckler, kind of an annoying person who shouts at a comedian, is what I'm going to say. Yes, and you're on track. There is one other use of it, though, which is at political performances as well. Oh, so yeah, it can of course. Stand up comedy and politicians get heckled as well. And we could say that they deserve it, but you know, don't quote me on that. And obviously, it can be an angry heckle or it can be a witty heckle. I mean, the best really is if you have a very skillful speaker and then they heckle back the heckler and it can really add to a gig. Oh, that's but, what I'm th- I mean with Fred Cook. People should check it out, by the way, on his Instagram. It's fantastic what he, what he did with this particular woman. Fantastic. Okay, I'm going to have a look for that. Um, Anyway, Fred Cook is continuing a noble uh, enterprise. But to my surprise, I discovered that the first hecklers were actually women. Uh, And I really like this one. I have a feeling you might like it too, Okay, So brace yourself, men folk. The hecklers are coming. (laughs) Um, So the very first use of heckle in English dates to the 1300s. So it does go quite a, a long way back. Uh, but at that point, it had nothing to do with talking. It was a flax comb for combing flax. Ooh. And it had roots in Dutch and German words and links to root words about hooks and teeth, which does make sense with combs. So flax, in case anybody's wondering, is a plant which is also known as linseed, which I didn't know. Um, and it's grown for food and fibres. And the flax fibres give us linen, yarn and fabric. And just like other yarns, just like wool, wool has to be combed out. Flax fibres have to be combed out before spinning and hence you had a heckle comb to do that job. Shortly after the arrival of the comb, we're starting to use heckle as a verb, meaning to comb with a heckle comb, which all makes sense. And then by the mid 1400s, we had a heckler as a noun for somebody who uses a heckle. So this was work that was done by men and women combing out the flax. That's all absolutely grand for hundreds of years. Then around the 1800s, the Scottish town of Dundee uh, was very known for the flax trade and the mills and loads of people worked in the town in that trade, predominantly women. And the hecklers there began to dictate wages and working conditions through their strength of number and plenty of shouting at political meetings during the 1800s. And when others in the industry followed their example to try and get decent working conditions, The heckling shop where they did the heckling became known as a centre for activism and the term moved from there into the world of politics and later into the world of stand-up. And you can still visit some of the flax mills are now uh, historical museums in Dundee and their museum site actually adds a little snippet onto the end of this story, which I loved because they explained that most of the Dundee hecklers of the time were female and that they later led the charge for Scottish uh, suffragette movement for trying to get votes for women. So the first political hecklers were actually working class Dundee women who were shouting for employment rights and voting rights. I love it. I No doubt Fred Cook, if he was listening, would work something like that into the comedy routine very, very well. I'm loving that. So definitely he might, maybe he might think, you know, a bit differently now if he gets heckled again. He'll know the history behind it. Now, I do love a trip down memory lane and we've been having trips down memory lane this, mor- this morning on the show. So nostalgia is very appropriate here. Well, it is and it isn't because this is one of those words that changes its meaning over its history. Yeah, I know. I actually really love these. At some point, I'm going to have to do a book that's all about the ones that don't mean what you think they mean. Because I just find it fascinating. You should. You should. Definitely. (laughs) 
give me time. Too many books, not enough hours in the day. <laughs> um, but anyway, so nostalgia is a very popular word. It turns up on lists of people's favorite words. I think it just looks kind of beautiful on the page. And it's an interesting concept of thinking about lost times and, and past occasions. Um, so it, it's history that brings us all over the world. So we're going to go from Greece to Switzerland and then on to the USA. We'll start with the Greeks. We often do with this. So we've got nostos is the Greek term for return home. So with a tale like the Odyssey, which was a story about returning home as a key Greek text, it's not actually surprising that they have a special word for a homeward journey as opposed to an outward journey. And that's nostos. So you join that with algos. And this is the second half of the word. It's the Greek word for pain. So you'll also find that in neuralgia, for example, which is nerve pain. So nostalgia is the pain of homesickness and of wanting to return home. So it's actually not particularly about the past, not when it starts anyway. So doesn't nostalgia refer to a wistful longing for times past? Well, it doesn't at this point, or it didn't until the 1920s when its use in French novels helped to gain a more modern meaning. It wasn't even a word in ancient Greek, so it's formed from ancient Greek, but it dates to the 1600s to 1668 to be precise, when it was coined by a Swiss scholar called Johannes Hoffer, and he wanted to explain extreme homesickness as a disease. Right. Mm. So this was actually a disease. And not only that, but it was a killer disease. Nice. It was particularly noted in relation to Swiss soldiers when they were serving overseas. I know they're neutral, but they do have an army um, and it could often prove to be fatal. And the playing of bagpipes was recorded as triggering it in Scottish troops. So it wasn't confined to the Swiss army. During the American Civil War, nostalgia was a huge issue for northern troops who recorded 2,588 cases in the first two years of the conflict. And 13 of those were actually fatal. Wow. So I shouldn't be laughing. People were obviously very distressed. Yeah. But this was diagnosed as nostalgia. Mercifully now, nostalgia is more of a wistful longing for the past. But if you do come across a Swiss person who is very homesick, please send them home. Yes. To send them home, absolutely. Wow, God, that's unbelievable that people actually died from this. Oh, incredible how the word has changed as well. Now, another one that I love using, and I'm so delighted you've put this in here, because so often you do this when you send us mystery words that we don't know the meaning to. Bamboozle. What bamboozle. a great word. I th- maybe the next time I list my hobbies, I should say bamboozling the listeners <laughs> of LMFM. Because yeah. it is a hobby at this stage. <laughs> I love bamboozle, I must say. I think it's such a fun word to say and it looks fun on the page and everything. It does. Now, I confess this one doesn't have a known origin. However, I had a lot of fun trying trying to track it down. So I think we're going to go for a little bamboozling ramble around the world of words and see if we can get close to it. Okay. So... To bamboozle somebody is to baffle, fool or bewilder them. And there are lots of other terms for it, but I think bamboozling is the best. Um, It entered the English language in the early 1700s and it was originally slang and not everybody liked it. Uh, Officially, its origins are listed as unknown, but we'll give it a go. So Scottish origins are suggested thanks to the word bombays, which means to confound or perplex. And that's pretty close. So, uh, you know, I would possibly put my money on the Scottish one. French also has embambounier, um, to make a fool or a baboon of somebody. Okay. I quite like. It's a good word anyway, even yeah. if I can't pronounce it properly. <laughs> Italian has bambolo, a baby, which some will extend to the idea of an old foolish person behaving in a, ba- a babyish way. But mm. personally, I think that's a stretch. 
apparently Dean Jonathan Swift of Anglo-Irish literature fame and Gulliver's Travels and all that, he disliked the word intensely as being low language, Mm. which I suppose was slang, just wasn't good enough. And he hoped it would pass from use so he wouldn't be at all happy that we still use it today (laughs) and love it. Um, Some dictionaries assume that because it relates to deception that it must have a criminal source because there was a lot of criminal slang at various different centuries. So maybe, but there wasn't a lot of supporting evidence for that. And others link it to bombazine fabric, which was often dyed black and used by widows in their morning dresses. Oh. But that's probably really just because it's spelt in a similar way. Yeah. Again, not much proof. Um, however, in the 1800s, the words bamboozle became a slang term for being drunk when used on a college campus. So if you're a tipsy student, you can be bamboozled, which I quite like. Oh, that's a great one. Yeah. Um, and then in the late 1800s, in 1876, uh, bamboozle was a board game created by Milton Bradley. You know, oh, yeah. MB, they still make board games. Which yeah. Is amazing. I didn't know they went back that far. And it had the first ever folding uh, game board. So that was the very first one was bamboozle, which is kind of fun. Um, bamboozle also gave us a few variant words, which sadly have not lasted, but I would campaign for them to come back. Go so for it. Ha- you could be a bamboozler. Yeah. You could be plagued with bamboozlement, which I think is quite good. <laughs> and uh, in 1919, if you disabused somebody of their confusion, so if you deconfuse them, you were de-bamboozling them. <laughs> Well, listen, you better de-bamboozle us here now in a second because Parasology definitely has us bamboozled today on the show. You better tell them what does... Oh, hang on, actually, before you tell them, I do have another great one for you here. Is it when Terry Henry handballed the ball into the Irish net? That was a load of Parasology. (laughs) Parasology. I don't even know if Thierry was from Paris. Maybe he is. Maybe he is. Parasology, yeah, and the, mm, I did like all the dropping. Like, oh, I was in Paris last week. Yes, I, I confess I have done that because it's just exciting when you get to Paris. So <laughs> you have to tell people. Um, yeah, and, mm, I I did this one because it sounded like other things. <laughs> so it's got nothing to do with Paris. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I actually thought it would be parasites as well. So I'm with one of your listeners on that, but it's not to do with parasites either. Um, parasology is the use of ambiguous words. Oh, well, now listen. I mean, talk about being ambiguous about the description <laughs> about them being ambiguous. Yes, I, I confess I do partake of a little parasology now and then, particularly for the mystery words. But like, it wouldn't be fun if it wasn't confusing. Um, it has Greek roots. It comes from parasos, which means evenly balanced, and logi, which is a way of speaking. Wow. So a, a balanced way of speaking. So basically you're kind of, oh, on one hand and then on the other hand. So you're, you're being ambiguous and balanced in what you're saying, but you're not really saying anything. So parasology. <laughs> I love it. Parasology. I'm definitely, how am I going to have to think of a way now to work that into a sentence? Grace, as always, thank you so, so much for all of that insightful, interesting discussion around words. We'll chat to you again next month. You're very welcome. I'll come back and try and bamboozle you again. (laughs) Thanks a million. Grace Tierney there. Uh, You can find out more about Grace and all of her books and writing and everything. Wordfoolery.wordpress.com Do, (laughs) we'll put everybody's name into the draw for those two books. Give yourself a round of applause for some of those amazing descriptions that you had there for Parasology. Absolutely brilliant. We will pick a winner very, very shortly. The 11 to 1 show. 
Paul Mescal is back on our screens this week in a new Irish film called God's Creatures Opposites the fantastic Emily Watson a little description for you it's set in a windswept fishing village a mother played by Emily Watson is torn between protecting her beloved son played by Paul and her own sense of right and wrong a lie she tells for him rips apart their family and close knit community in this tense sweeping emotional epic so our reporter caught up with the guys and asked them a lots about the movie but they uh, chatted about well what was the most difficult part of shooting this movie well I said to Shane after after we'd filmed it never again write a scene that is relies on the rising tide because that's the scene at the end is all about the tide rising and we had the most difficult sort of denouement of the whole emotional story which is very dramatic to play with the water, you know, them everybody looking at their watches going, the water's coming, we're not going, we're mm-hmm. going to have to... So that was a lot of pressure. But it was also very, you know, physically, by the end of the day, oh. we were wearing these enormous wetsuits and I literally couldn't lift my feet up to get back in the boat. I literally was... You we had, we had hysterics. Sh- we finished the day. Hysterical. <laughs> Emily <laughs> had to be like, hooshed up onto the boat. <laughs> Freezing cold. There was like water in our waders. It was, it was a, a nightmare. We, but it's one of those days when you, you just finish remember, yeah. and you feel like a hysterical. five-year-old yeah. child. I think we sort of wolfed pizza, pizza didn't I remember we, for pizza about in an the hour. Seat. <laughs> oh, amazing. <laughs> Suffering for their art. Uh, God's Creatures out in cinemas on Friday. Westlife bringing our show to a close. Thank you so much for all your messages and interaction with the show today. Enjoy the rest of your Wednesday and I'll chat to you tomorrow. The 11 to 1 show. Mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.